Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the kennel, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. I'm sure that I am the only husband out there that doesn't listen very well. Um, It's part of our genetic makeup. I I don't know why it is, but we have we have selective hearing. And but before before anybody gets the wrong impression about what I'm fixing to say, my wife thinks that this is the funniest thing ever, and she's told about 2.2 billion people already about what happened. So don't think that I'm I'm talking bad about her. But when we went, remember a couple of weeks ago, we went to the uh, Cowboy Poetry Gathering in Colorado. And um, whenever we got there, we had to take all the equipment in. And so my mind is just racing 400 miles an hour. I'm like, what am I going to do? You know, I'm, I'm working on my sermon. I'm worried, you know, I knew that all y'all were going to show up here and be watching the live broadcast. And I was thinking, what is it? You know, my gosh, what if something goes wrong? And so anyway, I pull up and for some reason I went to get out of the truck and I said, don't ask me why. I said, y'all wait here while I go find the widest point in. I don't remember saying that, but my daughter and my wife and my son say that that's what I said. I went to get out and I said, Y'all wait here. I'm going to go look for the widest point in. And as I was shutting the door, my wife says, Why? Because I'm fat? (laughs) I did not remember her saying that, nor do I remember saying, Yes, honey, wait here. And closing the door. And then I have the gall to wonder why she's like this. When I came back out, I'm like, what's wrong? She's like, hmm, ask me what's wrong. Of course, she's laughing about it, and the kids are laughing about it and everything like that. Guys just don't hear very well. And, you know, I mean, Riley is great about this, but, you know, Riley didn't say anything for a long time, and then she did. And she tells me all the time, Dad, you're not listening. Well, she talks all the time. And most of the time, she's not talking to me. So I just kind of learned to tune it out, and, and it gets me in trouble. And, and guys guys just don't, don't hear very well. Well, you know, one of the things that, that I hear all the time, one of the things that I go through all the time is, you know, we can laugh about guys being selective and hard of hearing, and my wife's the same way. We as humans selectively hear what we, what we want to hear. But what about hearing from God? Do you, do you walk around, do you hear people say, well, God told me, and you're like, in the back, you know, you're trying to be cool about it, and you're like, oh, really? Oh, really? And then you're thinking, you're dumb. God didn't talk to you. Because I never hear God speak to me. Is that how you feel in your life? Do you even know what the sound of God's voice is? Do you know what it sounds like? Do you struggle with knowing what you're supposed to do? Do you find yourself going through the same things over and over and over and asking God, how come I'm going through this again? And then it just sounds like dead silence. Is that how your life is? Do you have a problem hearing from God? 
Do you hear people say, well, well, God told me that, and then, you know, you can fill in the blank with whatever, and you wish you could just say that, or have you ever heard God at all? Today, we're going to talk about why can't I hear God? Why are you not hearing Him? When you pray, how come you're not hearing the answer? When you're, when you're going down the road, how come you don't hear Him talking to you? When you have a decision to be made, how come you don't feel like you're getting the answer, the right answer? Today, we'll talk about that and look at the reasons that we cannot hear God clearly. The first thing that stands in the way of us hearing from God, of hearing what He wants us to do, is that we have a hard heart. Now, cowboys generally think that their hard hearts are an asset. And you know what? Their hard heads are an asset. But a hard head leads to a hard heart. I mean, the Word of God, whenever you're listening for it, it has to come through the hard head if it's going to sink into your heart. But when it comes to listening to God, we've got to get out of that hard-headed, hard-hearted mentality. What does a hard heart look like? Okay? It looks like this. This is exactly what a hard-hearted person looks like. They walk around with their finger in their nose because they're busy picking what they want to hear. It really does happen. You don't believe me? Think about this. How about people whenever you hear somebody and you tell them what something in the Bible says and they go, well, I don't believe that because I believe this. They pick what they want to hear. How about this? Have you ever heard anybody say, well, my God wouldn't do that? (laughs) Well, you know what? We have successfully created God in our own image when He looks, thinks, and believes exactly like we do. We have a hard heart. It is a deadly disease. Whenever we, we just, it, we don't even let it in. It just stops at our hard heads because we think we know what's best. We pick and choose which parts of the gospel we believe. We talked about Dude Ranch Christianity not too long ago when people say, oh, I want to, I want to claim that deal of anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I pick that but I choose not to believe where Jesus said you must take up your cross and follow me every day. You can't have one without the other people. You can't pick and choose which parts of the gospel that you believe in, which parts of the Bible that you want that make you feel fuzzy inside. You know, they, they, they just pick and choose whatever they want to out of the Bible. Hardened people brace against God's Word instead of letting it transform their lives. You know, they, they're, they're constantly looking for something to challenge God on. They're constantly bracing on it instead of just going with God. When God leads, they follow. When God tries to lead, they bow up. Well, I, I don't believe I have to do that. I don't, I don't believe that that's the way it is, even though the Bible says it. And that's a hard heart. Quit bracing on God. Hardened people flat out ignore God when He talks to them. They just flat out ignore God when they talk to them, when they talk to us, me included. And you may be sitting there thinking, you know what, if I heard God speak to me, I wouldn't ignore it. Now, I'm not speaking to everybody here, because not everybody applies to what I'm fixing to say. But let me give you a prime example. Nearly every single week we get up here and we say we have baptisms on the first Sunday of every month. If you think that God is talking to you about baptism, you need to do it. And there's many people here that have said, you know what, 
Maybe I need to get baptized, but then they just ignore it. We all ignore God all the time, and the problem with that is when we hear Him speak to Him, or when we hear Him speak to us, we sit there and we ignore it once. And then when you ignore it once, it's easier to ignore Him again. And then it comes common practice just to ignore everything He's doing. You know what? If we sat here and tried to think of all of the blessings that we've been given, we could probably write them down if we thought hard enough. But I guarantee you right off the top of your head, if I ask you how what kind of stuff you're struggling with, you could go blah, 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 blah. We could. Because we're more focused on what our struggles are than what God's promises and how He promised to take care of us is. We gotta quit ignoring God. When it comes to whatever, I promise you, if you think that I'm up here because I have mastered, uh, doing away with sin, you're full of it. Because even I struggle with sin whenever, you know, it's easier to get mad at somebody that cuts you off or you can't find a parking space or drive in Houston, Texas traffic. That will, that's the devil. That's the devil. Y'all people are crazy. So glad to get home. Houston's not even a part of Texas. It's part of Louisiana. <laughs> I'm going to pay for that because Houston's our biggest, <laughs> one of our biggest spots. Not really. I love y'all, Houston. Just don't love the way you act. <laughs> if you can't hear God or it is hard for you to, chances are you're hardening your heart by picking, bracing, and ignoring what he has to say. Those are the fruits of a hard heart. When you pick what you want to believe, not what God says, when you brace against what he wants you to do, and when you ignore the things that he tells you to do. And it's deadly. It's deadly. The second thing, if you can't hear God, maybe you don't have a hard heart, but you want to talk about stepping on my toes this morning? Well, I'm fixing to be bleeding. Maybe you're a shallow believer. Now, I, you know what? Whenever I wrote this, I was like, man, is, is, there, is there really a bigger insult than somebody calling you shallow? Because if somebody called me shallow, I would probably take offense to that. A shallow believer, shallow believers are the ones that fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. Have you ever fell away as soon as you had a problem or been persecuted? Have you ever been persecuted for God's word? What does a shallow believer look like? This is tough, what I'm fixing to say. A shallow believer is at the front of the Jesus pep rally, but at the first, but they are the first to turn, tell, and run when the eve, when the enemy punches them in the mouth. They're like, God, God, yes, he is. He's our man. Whatever, whatever, whatever. <laughs> they're, boy, when things are good, they're like, God is so good. He is so good. I love God. I want to hold him. And then when the, when the enemy walks up and goes, pop, they're like, ah! and they're gone. We've all seen it. We've all, I've been there. God, I just feel your presence right now. What does all this happen to me, God? You know what? It happens. Too many people are wanting a Jesus pep rally instead of an authentic ride with Christ. 
filled with all the glory that, that, that cannot be found anywhere else. But it's true, there are shallow believers. They're all wave their hands. And I ain't got nothing against waving your hands. I've, I've done it before. But you know what? That outward expression sometimes doesn't reveal the true intent of your heart. Are you just looking for a pep rally? Are we walking around looking for that, that fuzzy emotional response from Christianity? That feel good? Because I guarantee if the devil knows, <laughs> I love what Mike Tyson says. In an interview, he was going to fight with somebody, and I don't remember who it was, and this was in the prime of his career, not his, not his biting part of his career. When, when, you know, you remember that time? Actually, I read about it in a history book. I wasn't alive then. Um, you remember that time when everybody was wondering if Mike Tyson could even be beat? Somebody asked one, the, a guy who's going to fight, he said, how are you going to beat Tyson? And he said, I have a plan. And they said, what is that plan? He said, well, if I told you, he would know. So they asked Mike and they said, what do you think about uh, this guy over here? He says he's got a plan for beating you. He said, everybody's got a plan till they get hit. <laughs> and if you think Mike can hit hard, that enemy can hit you even harder. Life can knock you out. And you know what? We've got to have a bigger faith in this shallow pep rally type of faith. We got to have a true faith, a true belief where we don't pick and choose what God says that that's what we're going to believe in, when we don't ignore what God says and we don't brace against what He wants us to do. They are at the front of the Jesus pep rally, but the first to turn tail and run when the enemy punches them in the mouth. They have told themselves time and time again that this time I'm going to do better. I'm going to be ready this time. Come on, devil. Ow! And they, they turn tail and run again. And devil's like, I love this game. This is great. You know, we has anybody seen that, that cartoon called Free Birds with the turkey that's pardoned on Thanksgiving? God, I'm gonna have to send a movie list home with you. Anyway, there's this turkey, and there's this turkey here and a turkey here, and, and the one turkey says, I'm tired of you touching me. Here is a line and you cannot cross this. And when he says this, that other turkey goes whack and slaps him. He says, Did you not see the whack? <laughs> That's what the devil does to us, and he gave up just like most of us do when we're slapped, when we're punched in the mouth. Shallow believers, they have no roots. They're just looking for an emotional response. Shallow believers aren't willing to lose everything for the sake of Christ. Jesus said, if you deny me before man, I'll deny you before my Father. He said, if you aren't willing to leave everybody behind you, brother, sister, father, mother, if you're not willing to leave everybody behind for my sake, you aren't a true believer. That's some tough stuff right there. Persecution most often. Have you ever been persecuted for the gospel? Have you? Because Jesus said, if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. If he's going to try to whip me, he's going to try to whip you, cowboys. Have you ever been persecuted for the word of God? I think many of us have and just didn't know it. Persecution most often comes in the form of, I am unwilling to do it God's way because if I do it, I'm scared that, and then you put something will happen. Well, you know what? This job is taking me away. It's making it hard for me to live a Christian life. Um, my boss is crooked or, or something like that, or I just don't like the way he acts. 
And I'm scared that if I quit, then I can't feed my family. Or God's saying, hey, you know what? You need to take care of your family. Well, I'm gone all the time. I can't. And if I quit, then I'm not going to be able to take care of them. You're going to be persecuted for the sake of the gospel. What if your best, what if your best friend said, choose between me and God because you can't have both? It happened to me. It actually happened to me. One of my best friends I've ever had in my life. When I became a preacher, everything stopped. Everything stopped. And I haven't said a word to him in over three years. I don't hate him or anything. It just, I chose to follow God. And he said, well, go ahead if that's what you want. Are you willing to give up everything for the sake of the gospel? What if your boss said, if you don't do this dirty deal, then you'll lose your job? You know, I don't know how familiar you are with feedlots, but whenever you take a group of cattle into a feedlot, you pay somebody else to feed your cattle where they'll gain weight and everything, and then at a specified time, they'll sell your cattle. They take them to the auction or a buyer comes and gets them, and there's a written-in uh, death loss. You know, I mean, things happen. Well, my dad worked for a feedlot one time that had an extremely high death loss because they wasn't doing what they were supposed to do. But when it came time, let's just say, to, to sell Ty's cattle, Ty started with 100, but now he's only got 91. With the one, you know, supposed to have a 1% death loss, it'd been okay if he had 99. The feedlot's not liable. But he only has 91, so the boss told my dad, hey, go get Ty's 91 cattle and go ahead and get nine from Leroy's pen and put them in there with it. Dad said, that's stealing. He's like, no, nah, it's just the way things work. He said, I'm not stealing another man's cattle. He said, I'll go get Ty's 91 and you can pay for the other eight that you, that you lost. And he said, you either go get Ty's 91 and Leroy's nine, eight or nine, or go find you a new job. What would you have done? Would you have walked away? What if you couldn't feed your family? Can you do the right thing regardless of circumstances? Can you follow God even when it means maybe losing everything? Can you follow Him? What if your spouse said, you can believe that if you want, but I don't want to hear it. It happens all the time. I don't want to hear that stuff. I don't want to hear that religious nonsense. Would you keep quiet? See, shallow Christians cave to persecution. Shallow Christians turn tail and run when they're punched in the mouth. If it's hard for you to hear God in any situation, it might be time to see if you are shallow and caving in every time there's a problem or a hard decision to make. You shallow, you hard-hearted, hard-headed. The third one, Riley, I'm sorry, you know it's coming. The third thing that makes it hard for us to hear from God is if you're squirrely. I'm not going to tell the story, Riley. I was just joking. There's a buddy of mine named Todd Woods, and I've, I've told this story a number of times, but he come out with his bird dog to hunt blue quail, and this bird dog was from Abilene, used to bobwhite quail. Now, bobwhite quail, they play real nice for hunters because they fly from about here to that speaker stand and then huddle up underneath a mesquite bush and wait for you to shoot them, okay? Blue quail, on the other hand, are actually the ninjas of the quail family. They fly for three and a half miles, land, run, duck down in holes, jump from tree to tree, and then fly again for three miles, and you've got to be a tough son of a gun to hunt blue quail. Well, he brought his dog, and he said, ah, oh, he's, a, he's a bird dog. He can handle it. 
Well, the first time the, they jumped some quail, here goes that dog after him, and that dog's doing good. And I was like, that gum, that's all right. And he was doing great until that jackrabbit went, Phew. he'd never seen a West Texas jackrabbit. He went right after that jackrabbit. He had one of his shock collars on, and Todd was like, Boomer, Boomer, here, come here. And he'd hit that little shock button. He didn't have it turned up very high. That dog just kind of kept on trucking, kept on trucking. So he adjusted some stuff. Boomer, he hit it and kind of, uh, kind of got him a little harder that time. And he's steadily yelling, Boomer, 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 Boomer. And you know stuff just got real when he went, Boomer. He adjusted something. When he hit that button, that dog went, Boom! and peed straight up in the air. That dog was scared to death of jackrabbits to this day. Lightning came out of that jackrabbit's butt. <laughs> struck him on the nose. But how often are we boomers? We're following God. Yeah, here we go. Following God. Squirrel! We do it all the time. How many times have you been praying? Dear God, I just thank you for everything that you've given me and dog food is what we need from Walmart. Where was I, God? God, I just, how come? God, I just want to be a millionaire so freaking bad. God, because you, this is the way I talk to you, God, you can just hear me. You can hear me. How come my wife doesn't listen to me? My husband, he... He stinks. His feet stink, God. You know, I mean, we get distracted all the time. We're going along just great. Are we squirrely in our beliefs? What does a squirrely Christian look like? What does a squirrely believer look like? Well, it's not as obvious as that sometimes, because in addition to that, a squirrely believer... Worries all the time. Worry, 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 worry. Oh my gosh, God. God, I give this to you. No, I just loan it to you because if I don't have something to worry about, my day is not complete. Because I need to worry. It brings me closer to God. What does it? Jesus said all the time, do not worry, do not be afraid. And yet that's how we spend most of our time is worrying about stuff. Fretting is their faith and their God is chewing something to death in the middle of the night. Now, be honest. Don't raise your hand or anything, but there's probably been a time in the recent past, maybe a few hours ago, when you were laying, you know how you're tired and you go to bed, and the second your head hits the pillow, it's like... <laughs> and then every worry and problem sinks in. And you think that nighttime is your time to solve your problems. And then you fall asleep three minutes before the alarm goes off. And then you jump up and chew everybody out. I just can't. And then, then you're worried about not getting sleep. Worrying is, is, is uh, catastrophic. All the devil has to do is just set that little worry squirrel right in front of you and you'll follow it every single time. Where's a squirrel? I better chase it. The second thing a squirrely Christian looks like this is going to be hard for you to some, some of you to accept. In order to draw Christians away from their ride with God, a lot of times all the devil has to do is dangle a dollar in front of your nose. Come on. Oh, you want to ride for God? Here, how about this? You seen that, that commercial where the guy is like, uh, 
And no name insurance, please come here. How much did I save? I found you a dollar. He's got the fishing pole and he's like, whoa, you nearly got it. Devil does that to us all the time and we follow it. We are so consumed with worrying and making more money so that we can afford things that we can't, that we think that we have to have so that we can continue to make the payments on the things that we thought we needed that we don't even use anymore. The things that we thought would make us happy. We sit there and chase a dollar all over the place. It is the only time, is the only time you go to God when you're in a financial bind. This is the hard part. The devil is not God. He is not in all places at all times. He is not God. He's the master of lies, of deception, and he can see into our hearts sometimes. He knows human nature. And if the only time you go to God is whenever you're in a financial situation, I guarantee you he'll give you a dollar to get you out of God's will. Come on. Just like a little treat. Come on. Ah, oh, good boy. Good girl. It happens. Listen up. This is Kevin Weatherby of Save the Cowboy. You want to hear the most exciting news since the invention of toilet paper? Save the Cowboy wants to start a church in your area. We have a new program called Save the Cowboy Line Camps, and if you've been wishing that there was a Save the Cowboy in your area, then God is probably laying it on your heart to help me start one. Just go to savethecowboy.com and you can email me for more information. Come on, cowboys and cowgirls. Let's all do our part in this gathering. This program was brought to you in its entirety due to the generous donation of Western LLC. They are a turnkey development company for the oil and gas and aviation industry. If you need it built to put something in, there ain't a better Christian value company to call on than them. Visit them at westernllc.com.